we came last night to the DR, and we have a few pictures that to show you. It was an unbelievable experience to take 16 of us to the DR on a trip to just show Jesus to the world. Uh, I have a, a couple of testimonies. I have Carla that is going to come, and we're going to look at that. We're going to um, tell us all about her experience with her family, with her children in the DR, and, um, and it's just an unbelievable time. And maybe Matthew will come after and just tell us what, what did he like about the trip. Morning. Buenos dias. <laughs> That's still only all I know. <laughs> um, I, I can't even uh, I can't even grasp or explain what an amazing trip this was for me and my family. Um, I'm even choking up now just thinking about it because it really touched all of us. There were so many different highlights, whether it was within our group or if it was in the outreach that we did, and. My kids came back changed. I came back changed. You know, you look at what you have completely differently once you go down and you see what, what they don't have. Um, and it really just, I think, has changed my perspective on things. But one thing I wanted to mention is our, how the Holy Spirit worked during the trip. And one of the things that really stood out, our highlight for me, was when the adults were with the group in, with Mamon, thank you, <laughs> and we prayed. Um, there were a lot of uh, different needs. Um, it started off with people that were in pain and different, you know, had pain in different items and parts of their body. And there were people that were, you know, not focused on the Lord or, or were, were uh, uh, doubting the Lord, if you will. So Jeff took, took it upon himself to say, you know, that group, let's start with the prayer. Let's, let's start with the healing prayers and see what the Lord does here. And Aurelie and I specifically, I, I stood with Aurelie, we prayed for um, multiple women. It started off with a woman with um, head pain, and uh, as we prayed, I could just completely feel the Holy Spirit to the point where I couldn't stop myself from crying, and I couldn't stop myself from, um, uh, from, from praying. Like, I, I continuously prayed, and it was, it was coming through me. It wasn't me doing it. It was coming through me, and she was healed. And then we prayed for a woman with back pain, and she said her back was feeling better right after immediately following the prayer. And then we prayed for a gentleman with knee pain, joint pain, and he stood up and jumped around after we were done. It was, it was truly amazing. And, and finally, Aureli and I spent a, quite a bit of time with a woman who had just lost her daughter. And she was really broken. And we prayed, and, and it started off where she wasn't really telling us what was bothering her, but Aureli even felt the Holy Spirit come to her and say, no, 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 she's not telling us the full, full story. So the Lord was speaking to Aureli, you know, and, and Aureli was able to communicate with her and find out what was really causing the deep pain, and we pr prayed through that. I mean, she, she, you could tell she was kind of coming out of it, but I'm sure the Lord's still working on her today. So it was a really amazing experience. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Matthew, come in. <laughs> Mateo. Here is Mateo. Mateo. Mateo, tell us what was the most exciting, what you told me, part of the trip for you when we were going to Boca Nueva, to the beach. What happened? So we were going to um, snorkel. Um, we are going snorkeling on a beach, and we're driving down this dirt road in a 16 or 18-passenger van. And imagine this big Nissan van driving down this dirt road, and it just rained really badly the couple nights before. And so there were these big potholes filled with a whole bunch of water. And so we're driving, and then we like go through this big pothole, and we like hit the bottom with the trunk, and then or with the nose of the truck, and then go back up. And Jeff, who was driving, was like, "I'm not going any further." So we turned the truck around, and so we're all going to the beach to wait for uh, the tour guide to come back with Jeff. And the next thing we know, the tour guide is running back for us saying, oh, the truck is stuck in the mud. And so all of us had to walk right back to the truck and start pushing. And, and it was in, like, waist-deep water, the truck. And so what we had to do is all, like, the boys came and then were, like, counted to three, lifted up the truck, stuck a whole bunch of palm branches underneath the truck, and then had to set the truck down. But that wasn't it, all of it. So then 
Jeff is like p pressing the accelerator really hard. We're all pushing and it's pushing mud water into our face. <laughs> and the only problem was that there were so many cows here that it was also filled with cow poop. <laughs> they would have cow poop in our faces as we're pushing this white van, pushing to try to get it out. And I'll tell you that at the end of when we're putting in the truck, it did not look like a white truck anymore. <laughs> so that was my favorite part. I will not call anybody else. I just want to tell you how the Holy Spirit works uh, and the fun is also part of it. Uh, the kids experience things that they have ne never seen before and that's the amazing part of it. So um, adventure calls, if adventure calls your name, the Holy Spirit calls your name, I hope that a new opportunity will come soon. So, yes. Really, thanks uh, guys that were brave enough. Uh, I know you're nervous to go down. Uh, different culture, different language, uh, different food, different everything. Uh, but the primary motive and purpose was to share the gospel and to share Jesus uh, at our sister church there and in the outlying villages. <clears throat> but there's also something that takes place where we get to experience Jesus in a different way when we go on those trips. So uh, as you can hear, uh, good reports. Uh, I'm glad you guys all had a good trip. Now you guys are either pretty uh, hardy New Englanders or you live in a condo where somebody plowed you out. Uh, uh, but don't look askance at all those latecomers that are probably going to be coming in uh, over the next half hour when they realize this takes longer to get out than they anticipated. But uh, we are going to do... Uh, you know, generally speaking, we're going to do church if we can get here. So you got here, so we do church. So welcome. Good to have you. And uh, uh, let's just kick right in here. I'm doing a series, uh, knowing, and today I want to talk about knowing, ex knowing and experiencing the Holy Spirit. Uh, this area of church life, for many, just seems to be very mysterious, uh, and yet it should be... Uh, part of our everyday uh, church experience. Uh, we understand the Trinity in a sense where we know it's one God made up of three different components, uh, three different people uh, to be specific. But in practice, it seems like church will be Jesus, 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 maybe God, and then Jesus. And, uh, and you say, well, what actually does the Holy Spirit do? Uh, or let me ask a more pointed question. Do you pray specifically to the Holy Spirit? Now, this is not a trick question. This is not like, okay, this is some weird cult where, you know, I don't know if I want to pray to the Holy Spirit. I know I can pray to Jesus. I, I, I feel comfortable praying to God or God the Father. But what about praying to Jesus? Uh, separately from God the Father or praying to the Holy Spirit. Why would you even do that? And uh, if your mind's spinning, uh, you at the right place, the right time, because we want to talk about the person today of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we want to say, well, does it actually even matter getting this right? Um, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, I used the analogy of the difference between a dog and a cat, uh, but in a similar way, uh, you know, cats have a different personality to a dog, and uh, you could just say, hey, animal, uh, make sure you protect the place, and if a stranger comes, just do your thing. In your mind, you're knowing, well, that's the dog that's going to do that. Uh, on the other hand, you could say, hey, animal, uh, you know, if a mouse runs down there, just do your thing and catch that mouse. You know in your mind that that's going to be the cat, unlikely to be the dog. Now, okay, it's fair enough. You can just say animal. You, you, you're right. But there is something like useful or like uh, helpful being more specific and knowing, okay, so, you know, what does each animal do? Now, I'm kind of boarding on uh, something bad comparing God to an animal, but... Uh, what I am trying to say is it's helpful to not just be generic. Uh, in other words, uh, people that like to be generic will just call everything God. 
And uh, as Christians, we kind of sometimes get a little miffed at that and say, can you please like mention Jesus? It's not just any old God. We're trying to be specific. But today I want to be even more specific and talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? How do we know the Holy Spirit? What do we ask the Holy Spirit to do? Uh, So like most of uh, Christianity, a lot of uh, theology and got hammered out in the early days uh, where people are trying to figure this out. And so we have uh, Athanasius, uh, Athanasian Creed. And the idea of the creeds were to, in a succinct way, try and understand the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we had, uh, you know, the shield, where on the shield would be in probably Latin, uh, explaining the Trinity. And uh, this would be a soldier, and he's got the Trinity. He's like basically saying, hey, listen, you know, I'm the genuine article. I'm a true Christian. And uh, uh, knowing what's on that shield, which is this sort of complex thing, you've got it in Latin here and in English. So you've got, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the middle part, they're saying, okay, we're all God. Uh, So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And then what we're then saying is there's a separation. Uh, The Father is not the Holy Spirit. And the Son is not the Father. And the Son is not the Holy Spirit. So great energy is going to distinguishing the fact that there are three different persons, but one God. I mean, that's the gist of what's, uh, what that's all about. Now, you know, the creeds uh, have sort of had their own life where it used to be real popular in church to read the creeds and uh, to say the creeds or to have people memorize the creeds. And uh, for one reason or another, they've kind of gone out of favor. Um, And I won't go into the history of that. But uh, if there's any sort of um, nuance of that hanging on there in the Episcopal Church or the Church of England, uh, they would maybe read the creed on Trinity Sunday, which would be, okay, let's talk about the Trinity. So we'll read the creed and then that falls out of favor. Now that's typically Pentecost or the week after Pentecost where they would read the creeds. Uh, and in the Roman Catholic Church under Vatican II in the 60s, they said, okay, no more, we won't read the creeds anymore. Um, because, uh, you know, there was a sense where people were uh, reading them but not really listening to what they're reading. It was just playing blah, 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 blah. And people said, okay, that's not helping. Let's, like, uh, concentrate on what's being said. And then you found, like, okay, this became... Um, an area of uh, potential division where people say, well, we see it slightly differently, and I'm not saying the creeds aren't great. They are really, really are great. They're great documents. They're very, very helpful. But what I am just saying is they're not in vogue in the traditional mainline churches anymore uh, as a, you don't read them formally. All right, so uh, what I want uh, you to get out of this message is basically um, a right belief of understanding the specifically the Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity. But right belief is not the end point. This is not like, okay, let's figure this out, even though it's somewhat mysterious or complex, and then just all go home. It's right belief r- leading to right behavior or right lifestyle or right application. And so we also want to talk uh, or ask to experience the Holy Spirit and... Uh, and do that part of church. Um, you know, I think for, for many in church, because the Holy Spirit is unpredictable and uncontrollable and uh, we can't be in charge, uh, people sh- shy away from things of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, if it's just studying about Jesus or studying the Bible or memorizing the Bible or understanding creeds or understanding about God, the church, generally speaking, is great at that. But when it becomes to 
okay, uh, let's be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Then we get a little nervous because we can't control the Holy Spirit. So uh, what I'd like to do at the end of church today, just so you know where we're going, uh, let's ask the Holy Spirit to do some stuff that He might be doing in our midst, like healing us or anything else the Holy Spirit might want to do. And let me just say it this way too. This is not like uh, all about me. Uh, this is all about you. Uh, you just as able to hear the voice of God or experience the Holy Spirit or so you know, the sense is, okay, if the Holy Spirit is alive and well, uh, what is He doing? And is He welcome in our church? And will we invite the Holy Spirit? And can we do this in a way that's not weird? Uh, because people seem to uh, go in two extremes. One extreme is we don't have any of the Spirit because we can't control it and might get out of control, might get weird. So let's do nothing, which would be a large part of the church. And then there's another end of the church, which is like, let's only talk about the things of the Holy Spirit, and it gets pretty wild and weird pretty quickly. Now, if you're coming to my 101 class today, uh, another plug, uh, if this is, uh, you're going to be your church, and uh, you'd like to be a member here, and you'd like to be involved here, one of the things I'm talking about is being a church, it's like the radical middle. I mean, that's one of the ways we would say the vineyard movement. It's a radical middle, saying, yes, we embrace the Holy Spirit. Yes, we embrace, uh, you know, evangelical Christianity, meaning uh, understanding and loving the Word of God, the Bible. But it's this awkward, if you would, radical middle where we're not one extreme or the other. We want to experience the things of the Holy Spirit. We also want to, uh, you know, hold true to the Word of God. So we'll talk about that. But let me just pray, and I'm going to pray uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 4. Uh, Apostle Paul says, said this, and my message and my preaching were not very, were very plain. My message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, uh, I'm asking that uh, you would send your Holy Spirit and uh, Holy Spirit, I'm praying to you specifically, and I'm inviting you, and I'm welcoming you and your presence to be here today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will empower my preaching. But uh, Holy Spirit, we just also ask for your presence to be here. We give you permission to do what it is that you would like to do. And uh, we ask that uh, you would indeed uh, move in our congregation in power. Uh, so we lift it up to you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, you know, I mean, right there, I think my heart would be that we would experience the supernatural work of God in our hearts, in our church, in our personal lives on a somewhat regular basis. Uh, I mean, church should be different from going to university where you just, you know, go to university, go to classes and you learn ever more stuff about whatever the subject is that you're learning. And church shouldn't be where we just learn ever more stuff about God. I mean, it should be that we actually experience God. Whatever that looks like, or however mysterious that might be, or however different that might be for you and for me. But, you know, that something would happen when we come to church. I mean, that's my expectation. And, you know, sometimes it's a quiet internal thing where people come to salvation in Christ, that they put their hope in in Christ, and that's totally awesome. But, you know, when you read the Bible, it just seems like Jesus was doing a lot of miraculous things. And then, you know, after Jesus was dead and resurrected the, the church and acts, like we're doing a lot of, like, miraculous things. And, and you'd have to cut out or throw out a, a large section of the New Testament if you, you know, don't want to see the things that the Holy Spirit is doing. And so all I'm saying is, it would be really my dream, it's my hope, it's my prayer, and I hope you join me in that prayer, that on a regular basis, when we come together as a church, like the Holy Spirit does stuff, you know, like supernatural stuff, not, not natural stuff, supernatural stuff, stuff that we can't make up. It's not just, uh, you know, some coincidence, it's, it's a God incidence. So, so that's where I'm going. Um, Let me just uh, start off this way, uh, just in terms of getting ahead around this. 
Uh, in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John is a unique gospel for us uh, because it specifically helps us understand the Trinity. Uh, it starts off where it helps us understand uniquely, uh, you don't see it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, the beginning of the gospel distinguishing Jesus from God the Father. And uh, a very familiar opening uh, to many of, many of you uh, would be John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in John 1.14, we get the aha moment there where, so the Word became human and made His home among us. So the Gospel starts off and says, wait a bit, there's a Trinity here, and let's just distinguish Jesus from God the Father. And it's, a, it's just a really a great distinction. And what we get from that is, wait, it's not just God that created the universe, it's specifically Jesus. Jesus you know, was there at the beginning. Everything that was created and formed was done by Jesus. So we're getting like an insight in the New Testament that we don't get when just reading uh, Genesis in the Old Testament. Uh, but then when we go to uh, John chapter 14, we get the Holy Spirit part. We get like an insight to things of the Holy Spirit and the Trinity that we just don't get in the other Gospels. So it's really, uh, really helpful. And this is Jesus talking. I'm going to read a little bit out of John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. And Jesus is talking, and he's talking to his uh, disciples, and he's talking about his, the transition that's coming up, where he's going to be crucified, where he's going to be uh, leaving them, and uh, it's going to be okay because he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them, and he's trying to encourage the disciples what this transition is going to look like. So in verse 15, it says, If you love me, obey my commandments. Verse 16, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Okay, so Jesus is saying, listen, I've been your advocate. I've been around with you. I've been protecting you. I've been teaching you. But I'm about to leave the scene physically, and I'm going to send somebody else, a person. And it's going to be the Holy Spirit. And the job of the Holy Spirit is going to be your comforter, your advocate, your teacher. Just like what I've been doing, the Holy Spirit is going to do uh, I physically, Jesus, uh, you know, in flesh and blood, are going to leave you. But everything that I've represented and done, and all my teaching, which is really the Word of God, which supports the Old Testament, uh, is now going to be done by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I'm getting ahead of myself because that's what Jesus is about to say. So he says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot recognize Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now. In other words, Jesus is saying, you know, you can experience this comforter. You can experience this because I am physically with you now. But later, will be in you, like living in you. The Holy Spirit is going to be in you, not like with Jesus next to you. And then 18, verse 18, No, I will not abandon you as orphans. Uh, I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised up to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now, here's where we get the complexity of the Trinity. We got, okay, Jesus saying, I'll be in you, but he's also just said, the Holy Spirit will be in you. Well, yeah, because God will be in you. But it's helpful to understand the specifics of the Trinity. Uh, you know, so more accurately, we could say, okay, it's Jesus that's in me, but it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's not the physical body of Jesus in me. It's His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So we have this discourse 
uh, in, in John, helping us to understand some of the distinctions of the Trinity. Now, it's not like real obvious. I mean, the Trinity is still a mystery, but it's real helpful because you're starting to see uh, what attributes we can ascribe to each part of the Godhead. Now, it's not like the Old Testament didn't have the Holy Spirit. It did. It was just more veiled. And as I've said so often, the best way to understand the Old Testament is to read the New Testament. The best way to read the Bible is to start in the New Testament and read the Old Testament, which is why, even though I gave you that Bible reading plan and it starts in, in Genesis, I encourage you to go to the, whatever it was, week, year, uh, day 274 or wherever it was, and start reading the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. Because there's something, as we understand the New Testament, we better get a better understanding of the Old Testament. For instance, uh, if you started in Genesis, you would have read, obviously, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says this, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay, so we've got the whole Trinity involved now, if you've read John, because you know, okay, Jesus was the creator, and it, we're using the word God as the creator of you know, the universe, but you know, that was specifically Jesus' role. And here, we're reading that the, the Spirit, the power, was present right at the beginning. It's not like the Holy Spirit only showed up, you know, at Pentecost or in the New Testament. No, right from the beginning. Uh, then we also see, if we look at, say, for instance, Psalm 33, 6, uh, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. You know, there's something about God equating the Holy Spirit to breathing and speaking uh, that relate to the things of the Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament, they're just like that. They're just more veiled. In the New Testament, just say, this is the Spirit of God. This is the Holy Spirit. So, uh, you know, uh, one of the, the challenges of the Holy Spirit, it's such a big topic to try and pick it up and make any sort of indent in this in a Sunday morning sermon is a challenge. But uh, in church history, again, there was a big split between the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church. And uh, that split still exists today. You've got you know, Eastern Orthodox, and like from our standpoint, it's like, I don't even know who they are or what they do or what they believe. But uh, the big split actually came regarding the Holy Spirit. And uh, the issue... Uh, the main issue there was they were nailing this creed and they agreed on a creed, not the Athanasian creed, but the Nicene creed, and they agree on this creed. And then uh, the Catholic Church at the end adds a thing. It's called the Philiki Clause, the Latin word. And it says, and the Holy Spirit also came from Jesus. And the Eastern Orthodox Church went ballistic. They're like, wait a bit. How can you unilaterally change the creeds when we just agreed on them? And then secondly, like this is a big, like a major discussion. Like does the Holy Spirit come from Jesus or is it from the Father alone? Was it from the Father and Jesus? And that, that sort of issue is only like being resolved like now. I mean, it's been around for, you know, thousands of years. Uh, and the church is still trying to, okay, especially the Roman Catholic Church under this new Pope is saying, okay, can we kind of like not have this big schism? So... Uh, to say that there's a big issue here is true. Uh, anyway, that's probably as much as I'm going to say about the, the Philiki, but if you read the section of, in John, the, the very section I've uh, read, you'll see one sentence will say, I, Jesus, will send the Holy Spirit, and another place will say, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. So, you know, you, there's, there's scripture there. Suffice to say that, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. There are three different persons. There's one God. And uh, it's good for us not to mix up that. 
and it's, not, it's also good for us not to minimize uh, the things that the Holy Spirit uh, does. Now, the challenge for us, uh, while you get your bulletin insert out, because I want you to follow along with me as we wrap this up, sort of, with uh, th three points I want to make about the Holy Spirit. Uh, but the challenge that we have that makes people feel very uncomfortable, and yet it's part of John chapter 14, and it's the part where you have a responsibility as well as I, and uh, this is the part that we don't really want to read and focus on. Uh, it makes us very, very uncomfortable because we can't get our head around it. And it's not just uh, that it makes, it, uh, makes us uncomfortable intellectually. It makes us very uncomfortable because as we wrestle with this, it's forcing us to take action on action that we feel totally inadequate to do. And because we feel totally inadequate, it's far easier just to ignore it. But as you work your way back into the Gospels and you work your way back and take it seriously in what Jesus says, we can't ignore it. Now the church has tried to ignore it. The one way the church ignored it is called dispensationalism. It says, hey, listen, this verse, we know it's in the Bible. We, we know it's, it's serious, but it was for another dispensation, like another time period. Now that we've got the Bible, we don't need that verse. Uh, and it's like, really? I don't think so. Here's the verse. Uh, it says this in chapter 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone, this is Jesus talking. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Okay, hello? Jesus is saying, you and me have a responsibility to do what Jesus did. Not just believe what Jesus believed. Now, it doesn't matter which gospel you read. Jesus did a lot of like miraculous things. Like weird things. Like strange things. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you, you and me, not just because like I'm an ordained person, you and me. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit, and I'm expecting you to do what I did. Like heal the sick, do like impossible things, not like easy things, impossible things. I'm expecting you to do it, and I want you to do it. And you know, the disciples had the same problem. They're like, what? We just like watching you do it. It's fun hanging out with you, Jesus. Now, now, now you're feeling uncomfortable because welcome to my world. Now, People that get bored with church, it's because they're saying, I've heard this Bible stuff before. I've finally figured it out. In fact, I've memorized a whole bunch of verses, and I've been doing this for like year in and year out, and I've come to church, and it's just the same old boring stuff again. It's like the same old I've read that section. I know the God. I, I'm getting bored. Rob, please, can you dance and do something funny? And, 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 and like, can you have more videos going? And, and you know, can we do like, because I'm bored. I'm just like... There's something wrong here. You've forgotten this verse. When you're coming to church and, and you're sort of under this like understanding that God is expecting not me to perform miracles, but you to perform miracles. For you, <laughs> church will never be the same again because you're walking around with, the, with this sense. God, what do you want to do today? Are you going to use me? And, and if you're praying correctly, you're saying, Holy Spirit, please use me. Like, Holy Spirit, show me an opportunity. And I don't know why this is, but sometimes when we go to another culture, we go to another place, it's like our, our God gets you know, put, in, put down. Or we say, my gosh, it's costing us a fortune. I'm only here for a week in the Dominican Republic, uh, I, and I'm supposed to be a missionary. I better pray for somebody. And then you pray for them, and then it's like, what do you want to pray for? And the person says, well, I've got something like major, like, you know, I've got heart problems, or, you know, my leg's broken. Can you see it? It's just like lying. And you're like, I don't want to pray for that. And it's like, well, what else? That the person saying, you're the missionary. Like, pray for me. I need help. And then you pray for them, and then nothing happens. And you're feeling like, oh, bummer. And that's the reality. Often nothing happens. But then you pray for somebody else, and something happens. And you say, how did that happen? Well, the Holy Spirit did it. And that's what drives us so crazy is we can't 
manipulate and control the Holy Spirit. We can't say, we're going to come out looking good in the back of this equation. We're going to pray for people and we're going to look bad because nothing's going to happen. And God says, too bad. Pray again. Pray for somebody else. Pray for another 20 people. And you're going to look bad 20 times. Too bad. You won't be bored. That I can promise you. You'll be humiliated. You'll be like, this church thing is, I'm not sure. But when the Holy Spirit comes through and something happens, you'll be elated. You'll be like, I'm the biggest champion of Jesus, of Holy Spirit, of God. I want more church. I want more at it. Because it's awesome. But we hate being out of control. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm in control. I'm God. You need to follow me. You need to obey me. You need to pray for others. And that's what we do. And that's what we do the church. And we're going to do that at the end of this, this service. But let me just finish this teaching part as you might want to fill in the blanks. So I'm going to go quickly. There's three things that I think we really need to understand about the Holy Spirit. The first thing is this. The Holy Spirit's job is to comfort us. Now, we like that. We like to be comforted. It's all about us. God, help me. I need help in court. I need help at home. I need comfort for my depression. I need comfort because I'm feeling down. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm the man. I will comfort you. I will do this. Ask me. Don't just assume it. Ask. I want to comfort you. That's my job. Okay, so that's the first part. And it says it in John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. It's not like the Holy Spirit comes and goes when it comes to comfort. He'll constantly comfort us. That's God's promise to us, thankfully, that we're not left on our own. Now, the second part of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit empowers us to testify and witness about Jesus. Okay, so part of, when you're praying to the Holy Spirit, part of what the Holy Spirit wants you to do when you pray to Him is saying, can you empower me and help me to see what's happening around me today in my everyday ordinary life? And how am I going to understand what's going on to see it through your eyes, God? And help me to do something, to love somebody, to be kind to somebody, to pray for somebody, to say something, or maybe just do something that is a witness to Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. That's what it says in John uh, 15, 27. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. That was the disciples. And then on Acts 1, 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the Dominican Republic. And lo and behold, even Hopkinton and Milford. I mean, it's just like, you know, you're going to be my witness. That's part of what it means to be a believer, to be a Christian. We're saying, Holy Spirit, work through me that I can be a witness, and a good witness, not a bad witness, about you. The third point about the Holy Spirit is He empowers us to do works of Jesus, including miracles. And that's the verse I just read, and it w it's worthy of being read again. Uh, John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. The same works as me and even greater works. So Lord, uh, you know, we just uh, lift this up to you. We just acknowledge that uh, your Holy Spirit is simultaneously uh, exciting and nerve-wracking and uh, exhilarating and comforting. Uh, but Lord, you are a mighty God. You are a powerful God. When we understand who you are, that you put this whole world into being, you created it and you are sustaining it. And Lord, you have given us your Holy Spirit, which is the power which developed that world and it's comforting us each individually and personally. And you love us and you're involved in our lives. And yet at the same time, Lord, you're saying there's so much more as we lean in unto you and we ask more of you and we expect more of you. So Lord, I just pray for your power. I pray for your Holy Spirit to fill us all and fill us again and again that we can exude your love and your presence to all those that we come in contact with. 
And Lord, we also just pray for the power to do the things you ask us to do. Uh, pray for people to be healed and, and for the miraculous things to happen. Uh, let us have that faith. Let us have that expectation. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So why don't we have the worship team come on up. And, uh, and while we're doing worship, uh, this is the question I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this. Is there somebody here in church uh, that should be healed? I mean, it could be anything, but I'm just, you, you can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal anything to you. But ask the Holy Spirit for a picture, like I have a picture of somebody's knee or something. Uh, or you might just say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do today? Uh, can you help me see what that might be? It might be a scripture verse. Uh, we just want to limit what, how God can do it or what He might do. And then what we'll do is we'll just ask if anybody got a picture or a scripture verse. And the second part of that would be, does it apply to anybody? You know, like, were you just imagining things or is it really God? So uh, that'll be pretty easy. So why don't you stand up and uh, we'll just do a whole bunch of miracle things. We'll do it this way. Kevin, why don't you come on up? We can help me facilitate this. You know, I just think our prayers should be more like other orientated and uh, a little deeper than, Lord, please let the Patriots win this afternoon. <laughs> or, you know, God, please help me to find my car keys or a parking spot right in front of the grocery store. And then you come to Bible study and you say, God is so good. You know, I've got a parking spot right in front of the grocery store. Okay, you know, sure, God can do those things. But, I mean, that's so like, like a low level. But when we're asking God for others, others focused, uh, I think it's just a much healthier pr uh, prayer. So uh, I'm going to do this. I want to share one thing and I have Kevin uh, share. And then Lisa Graves had something I want her to share. Uh, what I want to share is, is, is there anybody out here today that has a problem, a current problem with their eyes? I, I don't know more specifically than that, but you've got like an eye problem um, like, but you're seeing a doctor about it. I mean, it's something up with the eyes. Anybody here today that has that? Okay, we're going to be quick because the Spirit of God is, doesn't need a lot of time. So you, there's a low bar, right? So I was 100% wrong. So now you can all be comfortable. <laughs> all right, uh, Kevin probably be more better at this than me. There you go. Don't come to me afterwards and say I had an eye problem. It's too late. <laughs> I, I saw a couple hands out there. Um, I, I just want to encourage you that the presence of God is here this morning. And, and when he's here, his power is here. His power to heal, his, um, his love for us is here. Um, so I just want to encourage you with that. Uh, so this morning, um, there was a sense that um, there might be someone here um, battling with disappointments. Is there anybody brave enough to acknowledge that that's you? Disappointments? Okay, all right, we've got a hand. Okay. And um, Nancy, I I'd like to ask you to pray um, because I, I feel like the Lord has done an amazing thing with disappointments with you. And so I'd like you to impart um, what he's done for you. Um, well, why don't we do that now quickly? Why don't you guys that all raise your hand, come on up here and Nancy, come pray right for you quickly. To the side here. So come on up and Nancy will pray for you. Quick. And we won't watch. Um, secondly, I, I want to share a verse. It's 2 Timothy 1, uh, verse 7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity. Um, but what spirit has God given us? Pastor Rob told us today, the, the Holy Spirit. Well, yeah, you guys are telling me the rest of the verse. He's given us the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And so I believe this morning that um, if there's anyone battling with fear, and just to be clear, fear, uh, anxiety, panic, panic attacks, um, again, I just want to encourage you not to encourage with the enemy's plan uh, don't cooperate with the enemy's plan, but with the Holy Spirit's plan, okay? Is, is there anyone here battling with any type of fear? I just want to touch you this morning, okay? Maybe you saw a quick hand somewhere, okay? 
you're, you're fearful of, of acknowledging it, right? Yeah. Well, that's why I'm saying don't, uh, don't cooperate with the enemy's plan. Uh, allow the Lord to, to touch that. Okay, and I, I just want to, I want to read this, uh, that's okay, uh, delicious verse, it's in um, Zephaniah 3.17, for the Lord your God is living among you, he's a mighty savior, um, so who's living among us? The Holy Spirit, right? Um, as Rob was saying, um, he's a mighty savior, he will take delight in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Okay. So anybody with fear, I just encourage you to come get some prayer. Um, lastly, um, headaches. Any, anybody struggling with headaches? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I'd like to pray for you. Okay. Someone else. All right, that's all I got. All right, Lisa, where are you? Graves, come on up. Um, so um, as we were worshiping um, and I was opening my being up to the Holy Spirit, um, I felt like... God was showing me that um, there, there are people here with their hands kind of clenched like this, and th they love you, and um, that they're saying um, they, they have things in their heart that they're holding against people. It could be your brother, it could be your sister, your mother, your father. It could be a coworker. It could be somebody in this church. And you're saying, I'm not going to take a step forward until that person repents. Or that person says they're sorry. Or that person understands what I'm going through. And I feel like um, you know, there's a scripture that says whatever, whatever's bound on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever's loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is saying, um, come to me and surrender. Surrender that to me. And I can then make things happen. I can work in your heart and that other person's heart. But until you surrender that to me, until you surrender that person to me, then I can't do anything. You have to release it to me. And so I feel like I don't know how this could apply to so many situations and that there are people here that that applies to and if you'd like to come up and get prayer after, I'd, I'd love to pray for you. Okay, so God obviously dealing with emotional pain um, and as you're familiar with the one section where God was saying to uh, the guy coming up for healing, he says, your sins are forgiven. Now obviously we need to be able to forgive each other and then when questioned you know jesus say which is easier pick up your mat and walk or your sins are forgiven it's like it's one and the same thing and neither of them were a big deal to jesus to deal with right so he says to the guy your sins are forgiven pick up your mat and walk and the guy walks so in a similar way i think it's where lisa is going if this is you this is an issue uh this is a sin uh deal with it and uh, you know come up get some prayer I mean I, mean, I know it's is awkward or, uh, or difficult but it's an opportunity to experience uh, freedom and uh, you know we're going to keep praying so you can come up in a few minutes uh, time but I wanted to also ask um, so you go see Lisa if that applies to you before I make everybody confused but I wanted to ask uh, did anybody feel like the Lord gave them a specific picture or something that you feel that God wants to be doing or healing. Janine, come on up and share. Anybody else? Uh, all right, Maduri, you're up next. Just come on up and share what it is, and then we'll pray. Anybody else feel like the Lord gave him a picture of something? All right. Um, just when Kevin was sharing that verse, um, that the Lord will rejoice over you with joy, I just felt like there were um, people just really weary 
and um, just really lonely too, um, but weary and um, just not able to even go forward in their own strength, but that God really wanted to rejoice over them with joy. And, um, and then I got the verse, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. So even if it's not your own joy, but God really wanted to rejoice over you this morning. All right, so you can see Janine in a second. Maduri, give it to Maduri, share whatever you got, and then we'll close out service. And uh, for me, the verse was coming, uh, saying that nothing is impossible to God. So God is, was speaking, saying that unless you are put in that impossible situation, how will you know that, that I can do impossible things possible? So sometimes we go through situations or healings which God has done in my life for my kids and for my husband and for all these things he put us in this impossible situation where uh, that could not be done and again in the doctor's appointment that has disappeared so God is telling that that is nothing is impossible because he is the creator and he can do anything but we just need to believe and um, sometimes the facts are there but the truth is greater than the fact and the truth is he's alive and he's living and he is powerful and awesome God he's a good God he loves us more than anything in this world and I want to thank God for this verse which he showed me okay so Maduri speaking specifically about God healing holes in her children's hearts uh, when they were younger I mean no small thing and significant size hole um, but I, I think also with what Madhuri is saying, if you've got something that's impossible that you pray and you're asking God to do this thing that's impossible, what I want to encourage you to do is come up for prayer and share it with somebody so that it becomes a, a little bit more than just you, your private prayer with God, that you, you're now um, feeling the uncomfortableness or the vulner being vulnerable, but you're asking the body or one person uh, to pray with you for whatever that thing is that's impossible and you might as well have Maduri pray for you seems as though she, she brought it up alright why don't we just stand and uh, we're going to close out uh, Lord Jesus I just know there's uh, many many unspoken prayer requests uh, in our congregation we all have prayers and requests that we make on you uh, but Lord, I just pray for your power of your Holy Spirit to stir us today as we leave here this week, Lord, that there'd be a sense of expectation that we can ask you and expect from you, Lord, that you can do anything. You can do the impossible. And not only that, Lord, you delight in doing the impossible and using us to do the impossible. So Lord, I just pray that you would guide your people. You'd fill them with your love that you'd give them a sense of boldness and encouragement and strength to do the things that you're doing. So, Lord, I just pray for peace on your people as they leave here today. In your name, Jesus, amen. If you've got children, you need to go pick them up quickly. And then uh, if you don't come forward for prayer on anything that resonated or anything different, come on up. We'd love to pray for you.